So what are you going to tell us, tough guys? My usual. Zero. Nothing. Well, if it isn't the old pop culture podcast back for another week, you see the beauty in the beauty in not having a podcast out on time last week is that it feels like uh, but a breath until the next one comes out. I, I couldn't believe it today. I sat down to press record and I thought, hang on a second, it just it doesn't seem right that there's another podcast coming out because that much quality in one week is too much quality, and you got to be careful with quality because the truth is sometimes you uh you bring too much quality to the table, people start to panic, they start to freak out, they start to say, you know what, I can't handle that kind of quality in my life, I'm, I'm going to unsubscribe. It's a, it's a really common occurrence in the life of people who do not like quality. That's what I've heard. A friend told me that back in year seven, and I, I don't know if he was telling me the truth, but he was, he was, he was going on about, it was something to do with quality. I'm not sure, it was something like, you know, you, you got to put more effort into your work maybe. I'm not 100% sure I've just used it in the right context. He could have, I think he was just being a helpful friend saying, you know what, Tice, there's a there's a lot that you do that should be better. I think that's actually what he said. You should you should be using your school time more wisely. I said, man, honestly, I don't see the value in this. He goes, well, that could be the problem. I said, you're very wise for a 12-year-old boy. He said, I'm just echoing the words of my father. I said, well, your father's a wise man. And uh, the boy says, that's uh, that's a conversation I'm not interested in having. But I just wanted to tell you, Tice, that you need to be putting in more effort at school. I said, well, the truth is, I just don't understand why I need to learn to speak Japanese. And they said, well, Tice, the truth is, you never know when Japanese is uh, is going to be a helpful language for you to have to have learnt. All I know is, I know ichi and ni, which means one and two. I know bakayalo, it means bastard. And I know just the basics, konnichiwa, sayonara. Truth is, still yet to go to Japan. And, uh, and no one saw Google Translate being as good now, um, or as good back then as it is now. I think there's only there's only so much you can learn before Google Translate comes in, because it's always cool to have a language up your sleeve. Like it's a it's a pretty school, cool skill to be able to go to a place, live there for a while, immerse yourself in the culture, start learning the language, speaking it fluently. But if you if you live in Queenscliff, you're 34 years old, you've got no plans to live long term overseas anytime soon. Google Translate's beautiful because how much information, how much of a good thing is too much of a good thing before it just becomes a waste of time? Because I was telling you guys here last week that I mean, there's only so many hours in your day, and if you're going to spend six of those hours trying to learn Italian, then then what are you removing from your schedule? What are you removing from your timetable? Just jump on Google Translate and say hello, beautiful. Uh, say convert to English to Spanish, and and it'll show you a rough translation. Most of the time, I'm I'm pretty sure it's quite accurate. It's only getting better. Do you know if you guys uh, if you guys stop trying to learn languages yourself and just commit to giving Google the opportunity to to learn for you, I'm sure it'll just get more and more clear. I remember only a couple of years ago, YouTube really struggled with captions on YouTube videos, and now look at them go. Most of the Australian accent's a funny one, though, because I think, I'm not sure where most of these caption writing companies are from. I get the vibe that they must be like an American an American company, though, because they do struggle a bit with the Australian accent. I, uh, I went to America a few years ago, and when I was there, one of the hardest things was was, was ordering a, a Starbucks coffee. Because just like here at Boost Juice, you put your order in, you uh, you say, I'll get a long black, please. They say, no worries. What name's that under? I say, Tyson. And for whatever reason, in America, the word or the name Tyson is, is one that they struggle to get their head around. They go, sorry, sir, is that Tyson? I said, well, first of all, what's with the intensity? I mean, I'm just trying to have a conversation with you. Literally, ordering coffee is the most relaxing element of my day. You've just made it intense. Sir, we don't have time to be having these conversations. Can you just please re-say your name? I said, it's Tyson. They go, sir, I can't understand your name, so I'm just going to write Tyson. I go, honestly, I'll respond to that. If if it's that much of a stress, if it's that much of an issue, I'll respond to Tyson. And so five minutes later, my long black gets called out, and I forgot, I forgot that I told him my name was Tarson or agreed to be called that. And and Tarson to me, like when you're not thinking about it, it sounds like a different name to Tyson. So I've got this bloke, he must have been 17 years old, like at the top of his lungs getting so frustrated, saying, Tarson, Tarson. I go, mate, I'm sorry, I forgot. But honestly, like it's a very simple name. I was named after an American boxer. You might have heard of him. Mark Tarson. <laughs> it's not him, mate. It's Mike Tyson. 
They said, look, just get your coffee and, uh, and please leave our store. I said, no worries. Thank you very much. This is the latte. I wanted a long black. They said, I was too bogged down in details to pay too much attention to what it was that you were ordering. But there's sugar over there. It's free. I said, it's a long black. I just wanted it as it is. I come from a Yugoslavian family who appreciates the taste of pure coffee. He said, sir, I don't care about the history of your family. Just get out of my store. So I went back in. Yeah, it's, it's weird as well because it was the closest one to our hostel. So every day it was, uh, I feel like in Australia, one good thing is if, if you badger someone enough, if you go to someone enough, you have to get past the awkwardness of um, like a, a, a frustrating initial interaction because otherwise it's just awkward for both of you. The Americans are more committed, I think, to hostility in a lot of senses than what Australians are because I remember this guy, I went back in there every day and, and he greeted me with a rolled eye, like not... Sounds like he's only got one eye. He greeted me with with rolling his eyes, which I thought was, um, you know, it was 6 a.m. And I, I do have a lot of energy for, for that time of the morning. I remember going to Nepal in 2015, and I was, I was climbing through the Himalayas with uh, a guy called Kevin, a, a lady called Leslie. Kev was a, a British man living in WA. Leslie was a Canadian woman living in Canada. And we came over there, and I'm not sure what it is. You know, you know, uh, just being exposed to other people and how that exposes some of your weaknesses. I didn't realize that I operated at such high intensity so early in the morning, which it's an embarrassment to admit because I can't stand people like that. If I see someone operating with such intensity so early in the morning, I go, you know what, mate, just get a get a little bit of a read on the situation. What the way you're holding yourself, the way you're handling yourself right now, it's an embarrassment. You know, it's called a little bit of emotional awareness. It's called a little bit of social awareness. I'm half asleep. If I'm half asleep at six o'clock in the morning, just, just drink your coffee, sit back, relax. Don't say anything for an hour. I'll come to you. And yet, for whatever reason, there's something in the, the old Tyson Popplestone blood, which the alarm goes off. The excitement of me being in the pool kicks in. I run downstairs to celebrate with the rest of the uh, the rest of the crew, and they say, "Hey, you know what, mate? Like by the end of the trip, Kev just goes, Tyson, yeah." You're an intense guy. I said, I'd, I'd like to apologize. He goes, well, you, you know, I wish I had had this conversation with you at the start of the trip so I could have enjoyed being here with you. I said, well, you didn't enjoy it. He goes, uh, well, they're your words, not mine. I said, Kev, you actually just said that. I just repeated to you what I said, what I heard you say. He goes, look, don't, don't overanalyze the situation. I said, it's personal though, Kev, isn't it? It's a personal situation. How would you, I feel if I said you look like a midget with a shaved head who should have been a monk. He goes, is that how you feel about me? I go, maybe it is. He goes, well, that's really hurtful. I wish you didn't tell me. I said, no, I was just trying to make a point. He said, don't back down now. The conversation's already been had. I said, Kev, I was joking. He said, Tyson, let's go drink your coffee. So, no, it's one of those things. You just got to be, you got to be careful with the energy that you bring to the table. Uh, th there's got to be a time, I think, where there's like a mutual agreement for people with higher energy to be able to come out of their shell because. You know, for a couple of days, I thought I was being quite placid. I thought I was being quite relaxed. My wife tried to use the word placid the other day. She said flaccid, which if you don't know the meaning and how different they are, Google that. Don't go images, though, because it would be an ugly sight, depending on what it is that you're interested in. If you just type in flaccid, make sure Google search is off because it's going to limit some of the um, some of the results. Do you know, all you all you guys who are uh, who are showers, not growers, you don't need to worry about flaccid. But uh, as a grower, not a shower, uh, flaccid's not something that I'm comfortable sharing with other people because flaccid to me is hard to see for others. And uh, if you're bringing in flaccid but hard to see, it's still an embarrassing thing to explain in the footy showers. I had to go in the toilet and just do like a couple of a couple of shakes, just get a little bit of blood flowing. I learned that once off a guy called Julian Dwyer. He owned a company called Negative Split, which was a running brand. I thought his name was Django, or I couldn't remember his name, so I just put him in my phone as Django. I remember once... He lost his phone, or I lost, I lost my phone. So he called it for me, and uh, as he was calling my phone, he he found it was hidden under the couch. The name Django came up. He said, "Tyson, how come when I call your phone, the name Django comes up?" I said, "It's a really long story. It's one that's too embarrassing uh, to explain." He goes, "Okay, no worries. Well, you don't need to you don't need to bother me with that." But then in a later conversation, he told me that after year twelve, he moved to I think he moved to Holland. Or was it Sweden? And he said, uh, he said he moved to Sweden, 19 years old, never uh, had a girl see a naked, uh, see his naked body. And he got there with the family, and he reckons every house in Sweden has a sauna in it. And it's quite normal for the, for the family to go in, sit down, relax, put their feet up with no clothes on, and have an eye-to-eye -eye conversation, mother and daughter, father and son, 
completely naked, completely flaccid. Hopefully so. Otherwise, it says something about the relationship between you and your direct family members. That could be looked into. You can't be sitting in the sauna with an erection next to your mum and, and just act as though nothing's, you know, nothing's wrong. Unless you've gone straight from bed, not with your mum, hopefully. Even more so, I would say. It's not something you hear a lot about these days. I did. I saw a 60 Minutes episode years and years ago, or it might have been like a Sunday night show. Actually, it could have just been like a random YouTube video that's now been removed for how inappropriate it was. Uh, but it was a it was a girl who uh, she went. Her and her dad were separated from a young age. The dad was like 19 years old. Somehow, years later, they met each other, fell in love, got married, had a kid, and uh, I'm not sure where in this part of the journey they found out that they were that they were father and daughter. But but the fact that they were father and daughter didn't throw their relationship off. Which, I like when you hear that. If if you've got if you're a father, I'm a father, but father to a son. Do you know what I mean? I don't swing that way. Which <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. I was trying to make the joke that I'm a straight man, but you can't be making those jokes about your uh, about your child because it's inappropriate. And they can't respond when they're 18 months old. You can't say that and just say, "Ha!" Huh, like they've got no idea what you're talking about. They can't even answer back. And so I've probably I've probably navigated a little too far down this particular rabbit hole. But what I'm trying to say is it's it's strange that some people like for for this particular father and the daughter there was a consensus. That's, All right, look, um, look, I gave. I put you in your mother 25 years ago. Uh, yeah, you're a beautiful woman. We haven't seen each other for a long, long time. Um, your eyes remind me of your mother. Let's get married and have a child. It's like, Dad, this is a... I feel like we've gone one too many... That's uh, one too many bases. Do you know what I mean? Already, just that conversation is a base too far. And then he grabbed her on the breast and she goes, you know what, Dad, you've got a great grip on you. Maybe we should just give this a try. And the dad goes, I knew you'd come around. And then, uh, and then their child was born. That's an interesting one. Like it's a, it's a hard one to explain as the mother of a child that your father's your grandfather, also, isn't it? So it'd be, it'd just be a strange day. Like if you have grandfather day at, uh, at school for the rest of your friends to find out, because you would have had your mates come over to your house, have a little bit of a conversation. Hey, this is my dad. You don't need to, you know, bog them down with details that this is my granddad because it's too much information for a quick visit. But you get to school and the teacher's seen this guy before, knows him as your dad. And you go, hey, this is my dad <clears throat> slash grandfather, Bruce. It's like, dad slash grandfather? Yeah, no, he married his daughter, my mother. So like, I beg you, there's, are you, uh, we need to see counselling. He goes, you know what, there's no point. The damage has been done. Here I am. Um, I've all, I've come out functioning. I went to a school. When I was in London, I, uh, I used to go to this school. And it was, it was, this sounds, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it, but it was in a particular part of town where it wasn't uncommon for, for particular members of this school's family to, to be married. It sounds like a made-up story. I cross my heart, it's not. There was cousins, there was, um, I don't know I don't know how direct, I never, I never felt comfortable asking the kids too many questions about how direct their, their parents were related, but there was definitely a couple of cousins. Um, I got comfortable with a couple of kids and started asking a few questions about, oh, yeah, you know, where'd your mum and dad meet? And they said, oh, I just had a family get-together. I go, wait, what? What? <laughs> Why were they both at the same family get-together? It's like, oh, no, because my mum's my auntie. It's like, wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> is that illegal? Uh, well, I don't know. It depends where you come from. It depends It depends what your culture considers acceptable. Uh, our, our culture finds it fine. And he had a giant thumb, which was weird. And I couldn't help thinking. I was like, I wonder, like, you know when genes are too closely, closely connected and you think, ah, oh, I wonder if the reason for your your giant thumb because I remember he was he was very confident about it his his right thumb was uh it was like two times as long and two times as fat as what an appropriate size thumb for his hand should have been and we used to always go up and you know how you do that sort of that gangster high five you you go like that I just got I got like a hundred percent thumb and he didn't care it wasn't like he was self-conscious about it I go into a, a football shower stand next to the bloke Woody and I go oh well he's got me covered uh, and I still feel self-conscious. Like, but he was he was going in with a gigantic thumb, which no one I've never heard anyone brag about a gigantic thumb. It's not it's not necessarily something that you you shouldn't be ashamed of it if you've got it, but it's not really something that you should be that arrogant about having either. Because I just I just don't think it's like good looks. Good looks, you can walk into a room and people go, "Wow, that guy looks good." That's good for your ego. I've never walked into a room and looked for the guy with the biggest thumb. And I just I think I think you and I would probably share that as 
as mutual ground. I can't imagine that you've ever been into a room and said, hey, I wonder who's got the biggest thumb here. But but the truth was with this kid, at, what was the school's name? It was a... Uh, I forgot. I probably don't need to give the name of the school that because if this kid ever comes past this particular podcast, you go, I can't believe Mr. Popplestone, you know, he, he, did, an, he did an episode where he spoke about my thumb. He seemed very comfortable with it, so it just gave me a sense of confidence that I don't need to be self-conscious about rocking one of the biggest thumbs that the, the world's ever seen. He, he, for sure, like this kid had the world record for size of thumbs. I've never seen anything like it. Um, and world records, I, I say that with with like an element of, of respect because that's an actual world record. Like the world's biggest thumb is an actual world record. I've been paying a bit more attention to some of the world records which are being broken lately, and I used to love the world. Remember when you're a kid and you, you buy that uh, Guinness Book of World Records and you you look through it and you realize everyone's a freak and this guy's the most tattooed and this guy's the most pierced and um, this guy's the tallest and this guy's the shortest. There's a lot of, it's not until you hit 34. This morning I realized this. I'm not kidding. 34 years age, turn 35 next month, March 15th. Um, I had a realization that a lot of world records that that are being broken these days are, are not proper world records. They're just they're world records that if anyone just has too much time on their hands, they don't have a job. Uh, they've got a great imagination, and they've also got the time to flick through the Guinness Book Book of World Records just to find out what records uh, are not yet broken. I mean, there's a world record for everyone. I, I got an article that I, I wanted to show you guys today just to prove this point because I think I don't I don't reckon people take me seriously when I say this kind of stuff. Um, it's, here we go. What's this? All right, here's the, uh, here's the article from NPR. Idaho man says he completed his goal of breaking 52 world records in a single year. This is the thing. Already, you read an article headline like that, and you go, well, how significant could these, could these world records be? Because Ali Kipchoge is the, is the marathon world record holder, and he also went out and achieved the most incredible feat of, of breaking the two-hour marathon uh, time, which which for so long people said was just impossible. Now, before you, before you beat him up, there's so many people that aren't a fan of that world record. They say, no, no, but he ran in these special shoes and he also ran in, um, like there's a special formation and it was a part of a town where there was no wind. So, you know, the elements had been changed. As soon as you've got shoes on your feet, the elements have been changed. Like there has to be, a point of of which um, you know you got to say a little bit of no to nature and a little bit more yes to um, the assistance of technology. So so Elliot Kipchoge, I remember him in two thousand and three. He won the world championship for five thousand meters in Paris. Beat Kenanishi Bakili. Also beat um, Ishmael Garouge, who was my favourite Moroccan runner. I'm not sure. I think there could have been a few drugs involved. Craig Mottram told me once that. Um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting reputation in the world of distance running because you, you get to an international level and there's some guys who just consistently perform at a real high level and it's pretty well expected or pretty well understood that yeah, there's a few there's a few interesting supplements going into the body that probably shouldn't be there. But I said, hey, how does that work for you? He goes, mate, I'm one in a billion. And I believe him. He was one in a billion. He's a freak. Craig Mottram, Australia's greatest ever distance runner. But what what I was trying to say was Elliot Kipchoge. He, 2003, as a 17-year-old, won the world championship. And then, uh, what's that, 16, 17 years later? What time, what year was the two-hour marathon broken? Was that 2019? I can't remember. Anyway, it was like 16 years later of, of training every single day. One of the greatest athletes the world has ever seen. And already this, an Idaho man says he's completed his goal of breaking 52 world records in a single year. That's that's one a week. So you already know the quality of the records that this guy's. I haven't read this article yet, so I could be proven wrong. I'm going to bet that I'm not going to be proven wrong. I, I think that the, the records we're going to see that this guy's actually um, broken is, is, I'm not sure. I hope I'm wrong. I really want to, maybe I'm cynical. That does sound cynical. All right. Uh, okay, well, here we go. Already, what's his name? Um, David Rush. So here it says, Rush started the year off January the 4th by by stacking wet bars of soap with his neighbors. This is what I'm talking about. This isn't, uh, you've got to start to question, like, yeah, you've got to start to question the significance of a record when it starts with his stacking bars of soap. Anyway, stacking bars of soap with his neighbor. He explained in a blog post last week, from there, his missions included bouncing ping pong balls, catching fruit and marshmallows in his mouth, and juggling doing various tasks quickly. All right, so uh, essentially what we've realized uh, is that 
the world records that this guy has set are, are exactly what we thought they were going to be. Unfortunately, David Rush, his, the world record that he, is, that he has set should be the most insignificant record ever broken. No offense to you, Dave, but I, I think you probably agree with me. I'm not, I'm not sure what people are trying to achieve when they, they set out to break world records like this. Is there really, is there really that much... Um, like, what, what's the bragging rights? If you told your mates that you balanced the most wet blocks of soap on each other, would they say, mate, that's a... Like, what a weird way to start a conversation with you. We've just met... You're not a person I know. You're not necessarily even a person I'm a fan of yet. I mean, I could, I could grow to like you, but, but right now the world record that you've claimed to have broken, or even that you have broken, started with you telling me that you've just stacked wet pieces of soap. Let's just go through a couple of these. In the meantime, here are the world records he can officially add to his resume. No one would ever ask for that resume. A resume is designed so that you could put across an idea that you could be the appropriate candidate to fill the spot of whatever it is that these people... A, a, a resume is what I did when I went to La Paqueta. Um, a resume is what you... I went to Pizza Hut when I was in year 10, and I, I took a resume in there, and you just... you just Essentially, you just lie about, your stuff, about yourself, don't you? Like, you go in, you say that you're patient, uh, you know, you're hardworking, you just want to develop your ability to uh, work a job so that when you're past year 10... And they know that your mum's just sat there saying, Tyce, this is like the guy that I wish you were. You just, essentially, that's what a resume is. You just write down who you wish you were. And it didn't take long because I had a conversation with a bloke at Pizza Hut and he said, that's a great resume. Like, you sound like a great guy. And I was like, well, it's all lies. He goes, I beg your pardon? I said, I didn't realize I said that out loud. He goes, it's a great resume. Um, I said, hey, th- sir, thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm a real, I'm a real hard worker. I'll, I'll never let you down. And then he said to me, he said to me, uh, Okay, uh, appreciate your resume, but what we've got to do now is I've just got to take you through a questionnaire. It just lets us know a bit about your character. It lets us know a bit about the kind of person that we're employing. It's a bit more of a, an honesty test. It's not so uh, curated as, as what your resume is. And immediately I was worried because I'd never done well with those kind of tests before. And it asked questions like, if you knew someone was stealing from us, how long would it be until you told us? And it was like, immediately... I would wait two weeks. I probably wouldn't tell you, uh, depending on the quality of the person. And I was like, well, truthfully, I probably wouldn't. You're a big chain. Uh, I'm not that interested. I don't think financially you're struggling. This is 2003. I don't think financially you're struggling. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe too many people ticked that question. Um, and then other questions were like, uh, uh, like, what are the chances that you'll be late to work more than twice a week? And I was like, uh, one of them was 0%. The other one was 10%. The other was 25%. I thought, well, you may as well say 25% just in case. Anyway, the results came back. This guy sat me down. He goes, Tice, this is one of the worst results to this test that we have ever seen. Like, you, you've you got the lowest score. And I said, oh, um, well, are you sure... Are you sure like the test has come back accurately? No, no, like this is a test we've done with every member of staff to ever get a job here and no one has ever got below uh, got below 50%. I said, oh, okay, well, where was I at? He said, you were less than 20. I said, well, what were, the, what were the main problems? He goes, you genuinely, would you not tell me if someone was stealing? I said, honestly, man, like it just depends on the quality of the bloke. Like, and what are you going to steal from here either? Turns out it wasn't that long later. I went through this weird phase of, of stealing stuff with my mates. Like, they used to interrogate. I don't know, if, is this a confession to a crime? I'm not 100% sure. So I say this tongue-in-cheek. Um, this could or could not be true. Uh, there was like a, there was an overpass with a back shed and, and, and cans of Pepsi. I used to like get my mates to go down there. I would go out to the back shed and just start chucking Pepsi cans to them. And then one day my mate rocked up with a van. I, I, I chucked a slab down there. It was horrible. I can't believe I'm admitting this. But there was a phase when I was in about year 10 where I thought it was funny to see how much you could steal. And... Uh, Said so this is the reason, but the reason I got the job there was because the guy said to me, he "Goes Tice, this is the most horrific result that we've ever seen. I cannot believe how poorly you've performed on this. It's actually an embarrassment to you and your family." I said, "Okay, well, I'll catch you later." He goes, "But there's something about you that I like, so I'm going to offer you the job." I said, "Mate, look, I I, I appreciate I appreciate uh, how generous you're being. You're being very kind. You're being very friendly. I feel as though you've you've twisted a a potentially very." negative and uncomfortable situation and conversation into one where you've actually left me feeling more upbeat and you know just happy to be myself it goes that no that's good because um you know the signs that we saw from the results of this test were, were horrific uh i said but look are you are you sure you want to offer me this job he goes mate we're desperate we've got no one to fill this spot can you start tomorrow 
I said, well, <laughs> this is, it's actually an embarrassment to you as an organization that you're that desperate. You have to choose a bloke who tells you he's going to be 25, uh, he's going to be late to work, you know, at least 25% of the time. If you have four shifts in a week, that means one of those shifts every week is you're going to be late. T- truthfully, I was probably late more than that. I live so close to this place as well. It was a, uh, it was ridiculous. I remember once there, I was I was trying to serve an orange juice. I think it was an orange juice. It was like a jug, though. There was a, a lady and her husband. You shouldn't be dating at Pizza Hut. It's only partly my spot, my my fault. Like if you're dating your partner at Pizza Hut, I mean, it. I don't want to judge you too harshly, but it says something about the character of person that you are. Obviously, you're not worried about your health. You're not worried about nutrition. You're not worried about the level of carbs that's coming in. And and that was always funny as well because, uh, yeah, people. Like their body matched their 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 lifestyle choices. It was it was pretty tough for a lot of these people to get through the front door, which is fine. I don't mind that it's hard. I'm just saying it was noticeable. So this lady came down. I was trying to do my social thing and bought her over the juice. And they were having a great night. Anyway, one night I I went to yeah I went to just take them over their juice and I'm not sure what happened because it had a fairly big base on it. But I I was too busy talking. I went to put it down. The juice started coming out at the top. Overbalanced the rest of the jug. Bang landed on her lap i said i'm so sorry i'm not sure what to do she said i demand my money back i said well i've let me talk to my boss the boss came out and said look this is pizza hut yeah go home get changed come back we'll give you a token but we're not giving you your money back she goes it's only nine dollars that's the least you can do then he said oh, the least you can do is you know just encourage our up-and-coming staff here they've got a passion to help out pizza i didn't have a passion i was just there accidentally spilt the drink i had too many opportunities i had too many moments in um what, what's it called in hospitality where you just realize you're probably not the right person for the job? I worked at a place called Lenotti, which is now, um, it's on Ligon Street in the city. What's it called? It's like a Mexican joint now. The rattle, the, the rattlesnake. You guys don't care what it's called, but I it's, it's bugging me now. Hopefully I'll think of that soon. Anyway, I remember people used to come to the door and the, the boss used to say to me, Tyce, look, whatever you do, because I was the guy at the door. I was usually the guy at the door, and the the role of the guy at the door was was just to start giving out you know whatever you could to get people in the door. The guy, my boss said to me, Tyce, look, we can't have you just offering free stuff all the time. We need we need you just to get people in here because it's costing us a fortune for for you to you know um, just offer out bottles of wine to a table. And I was like, look, I'll do my best. But then the problem would would be that I would I would get caught up because I was competitive. The bloke next door to me, Jamil Last Bagateria, great restaurant, closed down now. I think. They had that place for, I think, 30 years. I think they were paying like 200 grand a year for rent, which is in, insane. And then during COVID, like, how do you justify that? Anyway, I, I knew he had a couple of tricks up his sleeve. So I would, rather than rather than just let the customers walk past me because I didn't offer them something free, I would get excited and go, you know, you know what, I'm going to... I'm gonna shake things up a little bit so people would come past. I go, hey, I'll give you a bottle of wine to the, I'll give you a bottle of wine to the table. And uh, one sec, my headphones just came out. I can't hear myself. Give me. We're back. Oh, I wasn't gone anyway. I just couldn't hear myself. But then, uh, um, they would come past, and because people were making offers the whole way down Ligon Street, you had to be a bit more creative. So I remember, like, there'd be four people come past. I go, I'll give you a bottle of wine each. They go, is that even legal? I'm not sure. I haven't chatted to my boss. After a while, my boss came out. He goes, Tyson, look, you can't. This is costing us a fortune to have you on the door. Come inside and just serve the staff. And then I tell you, there was one too many times, I think, where I'd, I'd go and take a person's order. I'd go to the kitchen. I'd start talking to the kitchen staff. I'd be there for five minutes, have a great chat with them, come back out and go, man, I swear there was something I had to do. There was something that had to be done. And 45 minutes later, the person at the front would be like, hey, uh, just double checking how far away my meal is. I ordered 45 minutes ago. And I'd be like, oh, sorry, I forgot to put it through. And there was just too many times where people would go and complain about me to Jordan, say, look, this guy, is a, he's a terrible waiter. He's one of the most horrific waiters. Very friendly, but when it comes to details and making sure the, uh, the actual meals were put into the computer so I could eat, keep myself nourished, this guy, uh, he, he brings nothing to the table, and I think you should fire him. He, it was awkward, though, because the bloke who ran the restaurant, he was a friend of my family. So it was a close family friend. I got the job because I was a family friend. Uncle Phil was the man uh, who was affiliated with these guys. I was, how old was I? I think I was 21, which is, that's horrific, isn't it? As a 21-year-old bloke, you're forgetting to put in people's meals. Um, you're giving out bottles of wine. Uh, 
But that was just the nature of the beast. That was the world I was living in. I, I didn't want to be there. It was a paycheck. I didn't have the attitude that says, hey, this is a really important step in the uh, the creation of your future as a man. You have to learn to work hard. I just thought um, there's three hours left in my shift. Let's just get by it any way we can. If that means a beautiful lady has to miss out on her meal, so be it. It's just it's the nature of hospitality. And though it is the na- and though it is the nature of hospitality, it's uh, it's still a terrible attitude. But I've I've taken a massive detour. I'm not sure how I got there. I wanted to tell you about this particular guy who has he's broken some so-called world records. Now we've already established the first one, which was balancing wet blocks of soap. All right, here we go. Fastest time to wrap a person with wrapping paper. Team of two. No, that's a rubbish one. I'm not going to go through all 52 of these. I'm just going to read through some of the uh, some of the most ridiculous. All right. Fastest 100 meters blindfolded. So again, this is the thing. All you have to do there is run in a straight line and have confidence that you can do that because it's first of all, it was a white guy who set these results. And and no offense to, to white people, but the truth is, name the last 100-meter Olympic champion who was white. The bloke from 2021 in Tokyo last year, he was Italian and he looks white, but he's actually more African American than you realize. His dad, his dad was a, his dad was an African man, so you can't be throwing him in the category. He's a, yeah, he's he's no, he wasn't white. Fast. So what I'm trying to say is, if you just get one fast or even one semi-fit black man to run in a straight line, he would he would win that. Most consecutive axe juggling catches. That's that's kind of impressive. Axe juggling. I mean, there's a there's a little bit of risk involved there. Most passes of a beach ball in one minute. That that's that shouldn't be on the list most passes of a beach ball in one minute see what i mean it's not a it's not a legitimate thing most most marshmallows caught in math in one minute how many people are attempting these fastest 10 meters uh faster 10 meters balancing a balloon on the face i reckon this guy's had one of the most he's set the most world records in a year and i think it was the biggest waste of a year of his life most juggling catches while on balance board most presses of a giant inflatable ball in three minutes fastest time to wrap a person in cling wrap it serves no purpose at least if you're the if you're the fastest 100 meter sprinter of all time which usain bolt is that's saying something that means that that with your time and your talent and hard work you've achieved you've achieved something which every single person on the planet has the capacity to attempt i'm not saying this like i I guess by that theory this guy do you know what I mean, though? I don't know. Anyway, I'll go through a couple more. Farthest distance walked balancing. On. It just makes me wonder, like, what are people doing with their time? What are people doing with their time to, to make them think this is good? What about this? Like, just, just while we're at it, this is another article I wanted to read to you today. I don't know what this is, um, but maybe you'll be able to help me out. All right, how how 90, 90 day fiance, it sounds like married at first sight. My wife is, she's back into married at first sight. We'll get into that soon. It's It's hard to... You know what I mean? I've got all the love in my heart for my wife, but there's just certain things that it's harder to get through than others. How 90-day fiancé star Stephanie Matto ended up hospitalized after eating too many beans to sell her farts. This is a this is a really disappointing episode of the Pop Culture Podcast. I mean, I like to bring you informative information. I like to bring you stuff that together we can go, wow, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe I am bringing you stuff that you can say. I guess when I read this, Published January the 6th, 2022. I reckon I read it a week after it came out. Stephanie Matto sold her jarred flatulent for $1,000 a piece and made over two a thousand $1,000 a piece. She made over $200,000 in her two-month venture. This, this chick is a genius. She's gorgeous. In her two... So two months. Who's buying this? What... While subsisting on a diet of yo- oh, while subsisting on a diet of yogurt, eggs, egg farts are, are horrific, and beans, I feel sick just thinking about it. She ended up in a hospital when she thought she was having a heart attack. Stephanie Maddow, as an influencer, YouTuber, author, what's she writing about? I don't really care. And former star of TLC's Ninety Day Fiance. She recently launched a new business venture after realizing demand was high enough for an unorthodox product. This is the thing, ladies. I know some of you anti-vaxxers out there haven't got a job at the moment. You've got to use your imagination. If you don't want to go get the vaccine and you can't work as a result, there's, I mean, this is unhygienic anyway. I don't think anyone's interested 
in whether or not you've been vaccinated. If you're spending $1,000 for a jar of fart, you're not interested in whether that person's vaccinated. I don't think... You shouldn't... Oh, what has she got in that jar? Recently, she launched her... Okay, this November, she found a lucrative part-time word work bottling and selling her own farts until things went terribly wrong. So they should have. So they should have gone wrong. For two months, she spent her days farting into glass jars with flower petals. What? What's the point of the flower petals? Farting into... Sorry, one sec. I've lost my spot. My spot. Oh, with flower petals adorning the inside and shipping them to fans. Remarkably, Matter was making 50000 per week in December through fart sales alone and eventually sold more than 200000 blah, 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 blah. In January 2021, she was hospitalized for what she thought was a heart attack. Turned out to be a dangerous buildup of gas. At least you know she's committed to her job. At least if you've got it, or she's not, like if you've just got one job and it's to fart into a jar, why have you got a buildup of gas inside your body? You should, you honestly should be, you should be doing bigger jars or more jars. Now she says her fart selling days are behind her. Uh, so born in 1990 in Connecticut, Maddo came of age where social media platforms like Twitter began booming. The the first I've anyway, uh, how many people are doing this? I, I heard an interview on Joe Rogan back in in 2015, and it was I think it was a chick doing this, or she was like a dominatrix, and it was something. It was really eye-opening to me. It was quite terrifying because some of the things that she spoke about that people are interested in, I thought, oh my gosh. Like, I'm very, I'm quite mellow. Do you know what I mean? I just like it if you twist my nipple a tiny bit, not too much so that it hurts, just enough just so, like, just so the sensation can be felt. But not, not too much. Do you know what I mean? Some people enjoy, I was talking to some chick at comedy the other day and she was telling me about a friend of her, I think it was a friend of hers who's a dominatrix and apparently, uh, like a lot of powerful guys going to these dominatrix because like the rumor is that these guys have a lot of power in their day-to-day job and as a result they get out of their day-to-day job and they want to feel like it feels like to be I was going to say manhandled but in this case it's the opposite. I guess I guess for some of them it's manhandled. I personally wouldn't call that. I'm a married man. I wouldn't call any of them and I'm I don't like being in that much pain, but this chick was saying they like to get stomped on with high heels, burnt with cigarettes. Some of the guys, they, they like the little golden shower, which is, I'm too much of a, you know what I mean? Like, I get self-conscious that my deodorant's not working well enough at the best of time. If I could even smell, a, like, a littlest iota of piss uh, that I'd, I'd forgot to wipe off from underneath my chin or wherever it is that it goes, I, I wouldn't be able to relax that day because I have to throw a shirt out. You know if you've had a shirt for too long, I hope you guys know this, otherwise it's, uh, I've got a, I, I'm a heavy sweater as well. But I hope you guys know this feeling. So you know when you've got a you've you've had a shirt for a little while and it's starting to get that that stench. You've given it a wash and you're like, oh gee, I can still get a whiff of of beer. I got mates. Actually, the 22 year old me would have said, no, it's good for another couple of weeks, maybe months. Honestly, depending on how the finances were going. But uh, I got friends who they're, they're not worried about that. They're happy just to keep rocking that shirt. That shirt goes in the bin for me now. Anyway, I can't figure out whether Stephanie Maddow is a genius or a freak or just a combination of the two. Why does she have to be? What is with my my binary thinking? Why is it that she has to be either a genius or a freak? She could be like a freak genius. Because the truth is, she's... Essentially, that's what the free market is, isn't it? Like, if someone's willing to give you money for your farts, I reckon I could... I eat a lot of beans. I'm not a vegetarian as such. I pretty much am. I would say 98% of my meals are vegetarian. Every now and then, like, I'll have a piece of fish. So there's a lot of beans in my diet. I'm just not sure. I can't imagine girls buying too many jarred farts. I, I just feel like they're, they're too intelligent. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that's true. I don't know. Girls, let me know. Maybe I'll start an OnlyFans. I'd be too embarrassed. Like, imagine, like, especially this Stephanie chick. Like, she's gorgeous. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. And... Like, imagine being seen down the street and be like, hey, that, this chick is so pretty. This is, this, <laughs> that's so embarrassing. It's got a photo of her in hospital. She's connected to it like an IV. She's sound asleep. She looks as though she's lapping it up. But what an embarrassing conversation to have with your nurse. Because if you're in hospital and the nurse says, hey, sweetie, what are you here for? She's like, I've got to build up a gas. I've just been telling my farts. The nurse goes, one tick at a time. Has this chick, is she already on morphine? Why is it that she's saying she's selling her farts? And then... 
you know, one of her biggest fans comes in. She's like, no, no, she is. She's selling her farts. I gave her $1,000 for it. It was beautiful. I was just wondering if I might be able to get a refill. She's like, sorry, there's no refills here. <laughs> we, we don't do refills here. But a lot of girls do that. They sell their knickers. I've been saying to Jessie lately, I go, babe, honestly, like, are you, are you being wise or are you being selfish by not selling your knickers? You've just gone for a run. All you need to do, have a quick shower, chuck them in a little plastic bag, just post them off to whoever it is. If they're going to give you a thousand bucks for it, sweetie, you paid eight bucks for them at Kmart. Now with a little bit of sweat, you know, if you've done a little, a little run, if you've done a little run and, uh, there's guys out there that pay for it. So that's what I say to her. She goes, babe, I'm married. I, I, out of respect for you, I don't want to do that kind of thing. I said, well, are you really respecting me if you're withholding a, a, a complete source of income from us? Like if you could earn, let's say you're as, you're as pretty as Stephanie Maddow. You know what I mean? I don't think you eat as much yogurt or beans as her. Maybe yogurt. You do like yogurt. Eggs, no. Eggs are horrific as well because I think eggs have a universal universal smell it's a it doesn't matter if you're a gorgeous woman or a, a big fat man if you've eaten six eggs and just wait an hour and a half and do a fart uh they're gonna smell the same and how do people know whether or not it was actually unless she was filming it like she she needed to, she should have expanded this business a little bit maybe she she could have got like a a 15 year old kid to come in and go look this is a strange business that i found myself in i've, I've been farting into jars Look, I cannot handle the buildup of gas from the eggs, the cheese, the yogurt that is stored up in my system. It doesn't feel healthy. Look, I'm going to give you 100 bucks a day. I just need 12 jars of farts. As That would have been way better than working at Pizza Hut as a kid. No one's going to be able to call her out on it unless the 15-year-old kid comes out and is like, oh my gosh, can you believe Stephanie Maddow's been lying to you? It was my fart, not hers. I should be taking like a higher profit. She's like the Amazon of the fart world. She's just, she's doing no work whatsoever, making me do all the work. And honestly, I'm getting, I'm seeing almost none of the income. It's disgusting. They go, well, that, like, there's so many elements of this conversation that's disgusting. Why is it you focus on that? He's like, no, because capitalism's not supposed to work that way. And I was like, yeah, but neither is human nature, mate. Like at what point in, well, we know what point it was. It's when social media became a big thing. When social media became a big thing, OnlyFans came out. This chick got a little bit of attention and said, all right, how can I profit on this, I wonder how much how much would someone like Beyonce be able to sell a fart for? Like if if it was probably like if it was filmed, you could see it was her. I I reckon a lot because she would have a couple. She would have a couple of those intense fans. I heard stories about Dennis. I think it was Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan back in the day. Like they would take a, they would take something out to their bin. And then the bin would get taken out the front, and then there'd be people out the front trying to steal apple cores. I kind of get that, which is strange. I don't know why is it. I would I would be pretty pumped to have an apple core that was Michael Jordan's. Maybe this is where people start. You know how people say like if you watch porn, gradually your tolerance to what it is that you're watching it just keeps on building, keeps on building. So you need something more and more intense. Maybe maybe the people who are buying the farts off Steph are, are, are people who who just a few years ago were. You know, they were just happy to, if, if one of her hairs fell on the floor, they might just pick it up and go, hey, this is Steph Maddow's hair. And their friends say, that's weird that you've got that. But it's kind of it's kind of understandable. And they go, oh, yeah, I guess it is a bit weird. And then before you know it, like, she's, um, you, you jump in her backyard to steal a pair of knickers off the line. Then you're like, oh, I just wish you would fart in a jar. And then all of a sudden, bang, <laughs> like the, uh, the opportunity for, for your dream product came out. Um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to open it. It'd just be cool. Like, if I was, if I was in that scene, it wouldn't be cool. I just got to be careful how I trek through this conversation at the moment because I don't want to I don't want to come across as though I'm the kind of guy who would be uh who'd be happy to be uh to be to be having jars of farts in my house I think if I was going to be that guy though I don't think I would open it I think I'd just probably I'd keep it on the I'd keep it on the shelf and just know know that uh the chick that I had a crush on farted in that particular it's always I remember the first time I remember the first time Jesse farted in front of me I was disgusted by it we we're out at a farm in uh, it was my mum's old my mum's old boyfriend actually, David, great great bloke Dave. We were out at his farm in uh, I think it was Munro in eastern Victoria, beautiful farm. We used to go out there sometimes just chill out, and uh, I remember one day laying in the in the spare room, Jesse being like, I can't believe we've never farted in front of each other. I want, she goes, I wonder when that's going to stop, and I went. Pfft. <laughs> like right on cue and then i was like oh that's so gross i can't believe i did that and then she did one back i said hey that's too far she goes but you just did one i said yeah honestly though but you're you're a woman she goes wow have i am i engaged to a sexist i said i'm not sure um 
but that's something I, I don't think I can tolerate. It's funny that like, things progress from there as well. I'll sometimes be brushing my teeth in the bathroom, and she'll come in and she'll just start to do a wee, and then she'll go, "Baby, you need to leave. I, I need to do a poo." I said, "Sweetie, I was br- I'm brushing my teeth. Like the fact you've even started doing a wee in here, I'm a bit angry about." And she goes, "Honestly, we've been married for a long time now. Do you know, married? A- I- oh, here's a here's a question for you. This is I'll tell you where I stand on this. Um, so married at first sight's back on TV." I, I promise I don't watch it. Last night, okay, I watched an hour of it, and it was pretty entertaining. Last night, I can't remember her name. Let me um, let me see if I can find, uh, one sec. Married at First Sight. I just want to find this for you. Married at First Sight contestants. Contestants 2022. So there was a chick on there last night. I don't, it, it really doesn't matter about her name, does it? Meet the brides and grooms. I'll have a quick scan here to see if I can see it. Not Carolina. Oh, I think I'm looking at the wrong... Yeah, this is the wrong country. I feel like I, I know that here. Anyway. Oh, no, it is the right... I'm not sure. It doesn't matter. I'm spending too much... Oh, here she is. I think it's Domenica. Domenica, 28. She's a makeup artist. I went up there last night and uh, they had confessions, right? That's a part of the weekly show where they go in, they talk about what it is that they like about each other, what it is they don't like about. Look, I watch a little bit of the show. I sort of know what's going on. I know a little bit. I know enough to be able to tell you what confessions is. This chick came in and uh, she was upset because she felt as though her, her new husband wasn't attracted to her. For those of you who aren't in Australia, you don't know what married first sight is. It's essentially, it's a it's an arranged marriage. It's the only part of any culture that... Well, it's the it's the thing that the Western culture has the most in common with Eastern religions. Not Eastern religions. Is Islam an Eastern religion? I guess it is, sort of. I always think of Eastern religions as as being a bit more more happy-go-lucky, a bit more meditation-centered. But I don't think of Islam like that. Anyway, we, we look at so much of, of the Islamic culture and arranged marriages, organized marriages, and we look at that and we go, hang on a second. That's so ancient. And then for whatever reason, like the one of the most popular shows on Australian television each year is an arranged marriage in Australia amongst two hotheads. Uh, and, and we just get to watch how it plays out, which I get. Like the, it's entertaining. It's very entertaining, but also very ironic that we're, we're pretty happy for an organized marriage when it's for our entertainment. But when it's an organized marriage between, I guess the age is a thing as well. Like if it's if the, any religion that's marrying like a 12-year-old girl to a 23-year-old bloke and that's an arranged marriage, I guess there's more something to argue about there. Like that's a little that's a little less acceptable, I guess. Anyway, this chick, Domenica, she a uh, makeup artist, 28. She came out to confessions last night with her partner and was like, oh, I just don't feel as though he finds me attractive. And uh, the judges go, oh, what is it? Like what is it about him that makes you think he's not? he doesn't think you're attractive? And she goes... Well, the truth is, I um he just doesn't want to rip my clothes off, and I was thinking, oh no, this sounds like it sounds like me. I've been married for eleven years now, and and sometimes just watching Ozark is a a better option to me than ripping clothes off. I just want to have a cup of tea and and snuggle up. It's my ideal night. And uh, I was waiting for Jesse to look across at me, but apparently uh, it didn't bother her. So <clears throat> the judges go, look, is that true? Do you want to rip her clothes off? He goes, well, not not all the time. And they go, well, what do you mean? And she goes, look, let me take it here. She goes, I'm a woman and I bleed monthly. And we're like, this is a weird, this is a weird intro to wherever this conversation's going. Like that's a, wherever you go from there, you've, you've got your, you're going to have to dig deep because that's a, that's quite a graphic. I, I don't want to be immature with it. I know that you women bleed monthly. I know what to think unless you're pregnant. Um, just quietly, I, I, I think I got Jesse again. I reckon, hey, watch this space. I don't want to, I know you're supposed to call it. I know you're supposed to call it at 12 weeks. I think we're about eight weeks in. So watch this space. But I'm just saying green juices and push-ups have been working. And uh, I think I got her. I didn't even feel like I got her that good. But if, I don't want to brag, but if that's okay, I'm two from three. Because a couple of years ago, she bloody, she had a, you're not supposed to talk about miscarriage and stuff, are you? I feel like I just took a deep turn. But uh, but if if it's legit, if we got it, it's two from two from three. I don't want to brag. But I'm just saying I'm, I've got I've got some pretty powerful venom. So this chick is saying, well, I'm sorry to everyone. I hope you haven't got kids in your car. And if you do, why are you listening to this podcast with kids in your car? You should know better. I mean, I've only had a kid for 18 months, and I would never listen to this podcast with my kid in my car. That's a lie. I do I do listen to it sometimes just to hear how it comes across. But he's 18 months. He doesn't know what I'm saying. She said he doesn't want to have sex with me, with, with me when I'm on my period. And I say amen, sir, like that you shouldn't. I've got no interest in that. That is a uh, now I know, uh, like when you see that that Stephanie Watt or whatever her name is is making two hundred grand a 
in two months by selling a fart. It suggests to you that there's plenty of men out there who would be a lot more open to the idea of having sex with a lady when she's on her period. But to me, I mean, I just felt I just felt more connected with this bloke than I ever had before because I thought this is a man who thinks for himself. Like, where do you stand on that? What's the... I know there's no general consensus. Like, I know there's some freaks out there who'd be, who'd be more than happy with it. But, I mean, I used to play football with a group of guys who were happy with some stuff I could barely talk about. So, I mean, that, that could just say more about me. Maybe I'm too much of a pussy. Pardon the pun. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's ridiculous. I shouldn't have said pardon the pun there because, you know, you guys wouldn't have thought of the fact that it was a play on words. and I didn't even mean it to be that. But, um, yeah. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure what I make of that, but but I do know that it's not something... After 10 years of marriage, there's, there's a few... There's a few... There's a few... What do you say? There's a few avenues... I just feel like everything I'm saying is a, is a pun. There's a few avenues I wouldn't go down. Do you know what I mean? Now it just sounds like... Anyway, I'm saying there's got to be a line. There's got to be a line between where you go. Because otherwise you start getting confused. And that leads me that leads me to this other article. This is a very strange episode of the podcast. I, I'm really glad you're here. But also, if you're still here, I, um, I've got two more articles, actually. Two more articles. And, and they're both quite strange. 37-year-old virgin gets six-foot string stuck in penis during sex game. This is the thing. People are playing. I didn't even know these are these are sex games. A 37-year-old virgin ended up in a predicament, to say the least, after getting six foot of nylon string stuck inside his penis during an unsuccessful sex game. The unnamed man, that's a good decision, was participating in a sex stunt before getting string lodged into his urethra and ended up having to have it removed while under he was while he was under local anesthetic. A hundred percent he was doing that while he was smelling that chick's fart. The patient's unfortunate situation was documented in the medical journal Radiology Case Reports, which explained how the man has used the string, which is usually to thread beads onto while fully erect. Wait, what? Which is usually used to thread beads onto. What does that even mean? while fully erect and watching a pornographic video. I don't even understand what they're saying in that particular... Like, why is this guy doing that? As if that guy's a virgin. Well, I want to say as if he's a virgin based on the fact that he's he's so adventurous because you would think that that guy... Like, how, how can you be afraid to approach a woman if you're not afraid to put six feet of string in your, in your dick hole? Yeah, maybe it's not as much as a, as a surprise. I'm, I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to understand why I wanted to talk to you guys about that because now I feel sick. What? It's a dis, it's a despicable act, guys. Listen, I I don't know all of you, but I care for all of you. If you guys are if you guys are in a hard place, pun the pun the pun three three in a row. If you guys are in a difficult situation, you know what I mean. You're getting. You get one foot of string stuck in your in your dick hole. Maybe maybe stop, guys. Start buying farts online. Don't do don't do stuff to your to yourself like that. Do you know what I mean? Make someone else do the dirty work. You just do the smell. You just do the smelling. You know, if you're into eggs and cheese, just smell that. It, that has to be better for your health. At least then you might still get like a an element of protein going into your nostrils. But but what do you get from from six feet of string in your dick hole? Nothing. A tummy ache. You go into the, the. This is the thing. Like you always wonder in these situations, why, why is it that? Like, how does that conversation go when you go into the hospital? Because I told you last week that I was embarrassed about the fact I I had blue balls and I had to go and see the pretty nurse and and you know she wasn't happy with the fact that her shift was almost done and now she had to deal with a sixteen year old kid laughing at the at the size of his balls. Uh, you know. Listen to last week's episode if you're not a hundred percent sure. Blue balls and sushi. It's um, not at the same time. But I mean, there's there's just awkward conversations that are, are hard to understand how they happen, and this this one's no exception. Like you got to go to the hospital. They say, okay, how can we help you? You say, hey, get out of there. I've just got a I've got a rope stuck in my dick hole, and they go, look, mate, this is a hospital. We're we're here for serious reasons. We've got people that we need to treat. We've got people that we need to look after. We can't just be doing these pranks. He goes, it's not a prank. And they go, look, no one in their right mind would have six feet of of string stuck in their dick hole. And he'll go, look, who said I was in my right mind? And they say, well, you, you appear as though you're in your right mind. And then he pulls down his pants and he's got like a four inches left of string dangling at his dick. They go, how, how long is that really? And he goes, it's six, 
at six feet. So, so what is it? So you you put this. I think you're supposed to put string with like little marbles or something. I, I just don't understand how that goes. How that goes down there. Like that, yeah. And then you got to go under, and then you know I'm an honest. My my problem is I'm too honest. Like if I had to go out for a few hours, I would get home and Jessie would go, "Oh, where you've been?" And I would say, oh, "Babe, just I just went like I'll try and tell her I just went to the beach," and she's like, "Oh, why are you blushing? Like why are you why are you licking your lips? That's what you do when you're lying." I said, "Well, I didn't go to the beach." She goes, "Well, where did you go?" I said, "Just the pool. I just went to the pool." She goes, "You're still doing your lying face." I said, "Oh, sweet, is at the hospital?" She goes, "Oh my gosh, babe, is everything okay?" I said, "Yeah, I just wanted to go get a checkup." And she goes, "Oh, like what?" What triggered the checkup? I said, ah, oh, you know, just uh, a few a few man things. And she's like, baby, is everything okay? Are you hiding the fact? Do you have cancer? I go, no, sweetie, nothing like that. She goes, please just tell me. I go, well, so I had six feet of rope stuck in my dick hole. It was in my urethra. I had to go under general anesthetic. And she goes, what? Like, how did it get there? I was like, oh, sweetie, I was just sitting at home the other day when you were, when I was bored and uh, I had nothing to do. And I was thinking, oh, I could do the dishes. I could put, put this rope in my dick. And I just thought, oh, well, I've always do the dishes. I've never put rope in my dick. And she goes, babe, are you, are you serious? I go, well, this is why I told you I went to the beach and you just kept asking. She goes, you're a disgusting man. You could have been home helping me around the house. You're at the hospital with string in your dick hole. I go, well, I mean, we've got a kid. I said, well, that's not an excuse. That's even more of a reason to lift your game, to not be putting things in your dick hole. Do you know what I mean? If Charlie did that, that's our little boy. If he did that, he would get a smack and he's he's not even two yet. We don't smack our kid, but I mean, hypothetically, if it was the 80s, we would have got a smack. I'll just tell him off. I'll look at him. Mind you, something's going to have to change, though, because he doesn't really... Maybe I have to introduce the smack, because he doesn't fully understand no. Like, at the moment, I say to him no. Yesterday, uh, my wife bought, like, this palm tree thing, and he had a basketball, and he was just chucking the basketball into the palm tree. It was damaging it. I said, hey, Charlie, no. And he goes, ha-ha, ha-ha. I go, no, no, mate, you've misunderstood what no means. And he would do it again. I go, hey... And he goes, ha ha, ha Okay, honestly, watch what happened if you do it again. He did it again. And I had no backup plan. I didn't know exactly what it was that I was gonna do if um you know, if he did it again. And that and he knew that. Anyway. Anyway, before I go, I wanted to tell you I watched uh, watched two good documentaries this week. You should check them out. One of them I bought on Apple TV, seven bucks. Martin Scorsese film. It's uh, on Bob Dylan. It's called No Direction Home. I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. I've just been rereading his book Chronicles, Volume One. It's like an autobiography of his life, and he's just a, he's just a cool guy. Like he just makes me uh, he just makes me want to be a rock star and read poetry. They're the two things I want to do when I listen to Bob Dylan. So I've been watching this document. He's just a strange guy, but he's a strange guy in the best way. I don't know what it is about him. He's just a, he's a unique character, isn't he? Have you ever heard an interview of him? Like you, you try and get some sense out of him, and, and not much that he says makes a whole heap of sense. And and so you get halfway through an interview, and you're like, what what is sort of going on here? Like, what's he what's Bob talking about? And then no one in the room knows. The other one was called Outcry. If you've got Stan, this is the problem. Like, there's too many platforms, isn't there? At the moment, we have to cancel Netflix to start Stan four days after our Apple TV cuts out before binge restarts. It's like, wait, this is a lot of paperwork just for a streaming service. Um, Outcry. Go watch Outcry. It's like a five-part, probably needs to be a three-part documentary, but a five-part documentary, but oh my gosh, really good documentary, really intense documentary. Um, do yourself a favor. I, we watched it in three days. That, that's five hours of TV in three days is is pretty significant in the Popplestone household, but um, I mean, that's just, that's just something that, uh, that I wanted to share with you guys. I don't want to go into too much detail because you know when people pump it up too much or Oh, they give you a little bit too much detail and you're not 100% sure. Anyway, put it this way. A mate recommended it to me. I read the description and I was like, ah, I don't, I'm not really that interested. And then I realized, well, what else am I going to do? It's a, it's a Tuesday night. We may as well give it a crack. And so I did. So grateful. So glad that I did. Ozark finished, finished the fourth season of that. I reckon Ozark's overrated. I'm off it a little bit. Not that it matters. Like, who, who cares about my opinion on Ozark? But, but put it this way. I would much rather watch Outcry than, uh, than Ozark. Hey, Valentine's Day today. We don't celebrate it here. That's what happens when you've been married for 11 years, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if that's actually true. Maybe our marriage just needs some serious attention. But happy Valentine's Day to you all. For all that young love and for all that established old love that still celebrates it. I hope you, uh, 
It is my wish to you that your lady will fart in a jar and you'll get string stuck in your dick hole just for her. That's that's the kind of romance that we want to see here at the Pop Culture Podcast for Valentine's Day in 2022. I hope the rest of your week is an absolute. I was going to say glory hole, but I didn't. I don't know why. I don't even know what a glory hole is. To be fair, it's a hole in the door where you get a surprise on the other side. I hope it's not a glory hole, but I hope it's beautiful. Much love to you. See you all next week. Mm-hmm.